Armando Baycott goes down in the first two minutes of the game and it's just too much to overcome on the road at Virginia. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, January 11th. 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day. Seriously, so many people tuning in as basketball season is getting going. We welcome those of you who are making it in for the first time. Today, the show is all about this loss to Virginia, and here's the thing. Carolina is 3-3 in the ACC. They could very easily be 5-1 with a healthy Armando Baycott. And that's where we start. Eight. Eight straight losses for Carolina at John Paul Jones Arena, the home of the Virginia Cavaliers. Hey, good news, though. Carolina hit 50 in this one. They hadn't scored 50 points at Virginia in the last four games there. But the Tar Heels do fall 65-58 end of the day, just too much to try to win without Armando Baycott and frankly, without Pete Nance. Good luck to anyone around the country pulling out a victory on the road against a tough Virginia team without your starting front court. But here's the news. Carolina is a better basketball team than Virginia is. They're going to beat them in Chapel Hill, assuming you've got these two guys back healthy. That's the thing. So Uh, This is the big news. The big news of the night, though, Armando Baycott's injury goes down with a tweaked left ankle just under two minutes into the game. I believe it was like a minute 18 in. Uh, Unfortunately, it it ends his uh, 20-plus point scoring streak. He had had five in a row scoring 20 or more points. Obviously, that is over and gone. Had he not played, it would still be intact, but he did play. Obviously, no double-double in this one and no closer to uh, Tyler Hansborough's um, rebounding record. Although, was Mondo credited for a rebound before he went out? Let me look at that real quick. Uh, Baycott. Yes, one rebound. So I just lied to you. He is one rebound closer. That means he now needs 49 rebounds to tie Tyler Hansborough's record. That's that's pretty funny if it wasn't so terribly sad, unfortunately. Um the, it, it was kind of a weird thing. You know, sometimes with these tweaked ankles, it's like, oh, will this player come back in? Maybe get, get it taped, tie your shoe up tighter, and then you're back in, right? And, and even though we went back to the locker room, it was just like, oh, they're probably taping it up, especially giving Mondo's penchant for being able to play through injury. If Armando Baycott's not coming into a basketball game, he is struggling. I mean, national championship game. I'm standing right there on the court. He jogs by me as he comes out onto the court for the first time a couple minutes after the rest of the team, visibly struggling and laboring. And you see how well he did in that game. So if he's able to do that, I don't know what kind of pain he is in following this experience. So um, Coach Davis, after the game, unfortunately didn't have much to offer because he said he hadn't yet talked to Mondo post-game. Obviously, they had conversed at halftime. Um, and, and what's interesting is that Coach Davis said in postgame that he assumed all the way up until halftime when they got to the locker room and he found out Mondo wouldn't be playing, that Mondo would come back in because as he left the court, Mondo had said, hey, I just need to tie my shoe up. I'll be good. I'll get back in. 
um, and so unfortunately didn't. So um, again, given his track record, that means Mondo has to be in a ton of pain. My thought on it, my take on this, listen, I know it might mean taking another loss or two, but you have to rest him until he's fully good to go. It's not worth um, him being not fully okay down the stretch of this season to try and get him in now. Now, if he's if he's ready and he's at 80%, yeah, you get him out there, but you don't want to do anything that's either going to jeopardize him long-term because at the end of the day, these are human beings and that's what matters first or the team, right? You'd, you'd rather sacrifice a loss or two in the short term for March rewards, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that that's part of it for, for me in terms of how to handle things like this. Now, at the same time, nothing is easy. Obviously, it's conference play. But the big but right here, Carolina's next two games are at Louisville, who is absolutely dreadful. If, if you're just tuning in to college basketball this season, you need to know that this is one of the worst seasons in Louisville basketball history. Let me just see where their record is at as of now. Two and 14 are the Louisville Cardinals. Their two wins are over Western Kentucky and Florida A&M. Started the season 0-9, and, and so... Um, 0-5 in the ACC, and so you, you got to feel good about at least getting that one, which, by the way, Carolina is 0-4 on the road right now, true road games, and so that, that could be a nice first road win. Um, and then you've got versus BC, and so uh, you got to feel good about getting both of those victories, even if you're Baycott-less. Now, the, the calculus on that becomes infinitely trickier if Pete Nance is also out of the equation, if you're still missing both of your front court players, uh, even against Louisville, as bad as they are, yeah, I, I just don't know what you do there. I know that the staff's going to have a couple days here to, to figure out, is Pete Nance going to be able to go? How, how bad is Mondo's ankle? What do we do? They're going to have contingency plans for all of this, believe you me. Um, so much trickier proposition if Nance also isn't able to go. And then following that, the Saturday after that, which is uh, January 21st, I believe it would be, you got NC State at home. So you really, really want to have both of these guys back for what would be Coach Williams' bitter rival. Um, and as I said off the top you know, of this segment, Carolina is now 3-3 three and three in the ACC. Keep in mind, Mondo missed that game at Virginia Tech, which is a great decision, similar to what I said earlier. If he's not ready, if he's not fully healthy, sit him. You'd rather take a loss because he's been phenomenal since getting back from, from being out that game, which is part of why this is so sad and part of why you think if Mondo's in this game, Carolina wins it as well. So assuming that Carolina wins both those games that Mondo has missed all of in 39 minutes of, Carolina is not three and three in the ACC. They're five and one. And boy, how different does that feel, right? Three and three is kind of feeling like, yeah, five and one. You're feeling good about where you're at uh, going forward. Um, but you know what, folks? You want some comfort? You know who North Carolina isn't? Kentucky. Because woof. Just before Carolina lost, Kentucky lost at home to South Carolina, who had just been beaten this weekend by Tennessee by 40 three points. So at, at least uh, Carolina isn't Kentucky, but still it's not any easier and it's not, not painful. Well, I want to get you into our four corners recap, what we always do after basketball games, as well as the shady stat of 
the game. We're going to do all that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football heading into the playoffs to the college bowl season that just wrapped up to basketball. They've got it all at Bet Online. So make sure you check out the line for this Saturday's game at that at Louisville that we just talked about, because it's always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. Hey, I also want to tell you quickly about a brand new show on the Locked On Network, and that is Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, folks, our Four Corners recap. This is what we always do following a basketball game as a way to honor Coach Smith's legacy with his Four Corners offense. Number one, listen, I I can admit this. When Mondo went down and it, it seemed pretty clear eventually that he wasn't getting back up and wasn't coming in. And with Pete already out of the game, I just chalked it up as a loss. I got to be honest. You know me that I am an eternal optimist, uh, but optimist for me in this sense was starting to think, all right, so how do you rebound from this loss? What do you do going forward? Um, But listen, here's the point of Four Corners point number one. Regardless of this result, and I, I wrote this as the game was still going on that I said this. So even after the loss, I still feel this way. Great response from the Tar Heels with Mondo going down. Yes, clearly they were shell-shocked for a little bit, um, kind of stunned and and subsequently fell behind 10-3. to three. But then they started figuring some things out and went on this 16-3 to three run that gave them a 19-13 to 13 lead over Virginia. And then that had even extended out to a 21-5 to five run for the Tar Heels. And you're starting to think, all right, no Pete Nance, no Armando Baycott, but if Caleb and RJ can do something, you might just have something here going on. Unfortunately, as we know now, Virginia just had had that streak in the second half that kind of turned the tide and put things away. Um, and so Carolina just eventually, just, it's, it's like a, a boat um, like the, that has kind of some holes in it. You're bailing water for a while, but eventually it succumbs to its injuries as it were. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of situation is, is how this felt to me. Four corners point number two. One of the reasons Carolina was able to go on that run was, whoo boy, Jalen Washington. Watch out, young man coming in. Justin McCoy was the one that came in first for Baycott, but then in comes Jalen Washington. Ties the game at 10 with a beautiful extended baseline jumper. I mean, that shot, you've seen it now multiple times, but uh, that's one of the furthest extended uh, made baskets he's had this season. And boy, did it look good. Then on Carolina's next possession, uh, slipping off some pick and roll action, just down between the middle, it was Kihei Clark, all five foot nine of him, five foot eight of him, whatever he is, that wound up on Jalen Washington. Nothing doing for him. Caleb Love finds Washington for an easy dunk in the lane. Carolina's up 12 to 10 at that point. And so Jalen Washington in the first half had 12 of Carolina's 29 points on five of seven shooting. This young man, uh, I, I don't know if we're calling this his breakout, might as well, because 
dang. But here's the thing. As the game wears on, it's clear. Like he ended up playing 27 minutes in this game out of necessity because you got, you're missing your front court, um, both starters and the front court's pretty thin already to begin with. And keep in mind, Will Shaver, who's not going to get much playing time, but in a night like uh, this game against Virginia might have is out for the season already. But Jalen Washington, it's clear he's still working his way back into game shape um, and even so hasn't been playing enough minutes. To that point, he had played before this 20 minutes all season, plays 27 minutes in this one. And so as the game wore on, his effectiveness wore off. And that's to be expected from a young man who hadn't played last year, coming off of ACL surgery, just still trying to get his sea legs back. So just grace and patience with Jalen Washington. But my goodness, 13 total points on five of 11 shooting, six rebounds. Like you see it all. I know he missed both three point attempts, but boy, that shot is pretty. Everything that Hubert Davis has said about him, you can take it to the bank. It looks good. Four corners point number three. I almost put up uh, four there. Uh, listen, I've been talking positively about what happened as, as I often do, but there are no moral victories. This is a loss. Coach Davis said it in his press conference. He said he was perturbed and frustrated. Like, um, who was it? I don't even remember who it was that asked the question now. Anyway, um, but said basically started off his question like, hey, coach, I know you're not looking for moral victories and, and kept talking. And Coach Davis just cut him off. And he said, look, it's an L. This is our sixth loss. We needed to be better to win here. And he, he picked up the stat sheet and started pointing at it and banging on it and said, there is, we, we, sorry, we have enough on this stat sheet to have won this game. Whew. I, I love the fire. This man just hates to lose. So no moral victories. And, and that's the thing. As proud as I was of this team for their performance, as proud as I am of this team for their performance, for sticking with it, for getting up off the mat after, after Mondo went down, as I already just talked about, they could and perhaps should have won this basketball game. The, the biggest problem to me was a very similar scenario to Pittsburgh. Uh, we we talked, a lot of people have talked about how bad the second half was at Pittsburgh. Fine, let them. The issue for me, and you've heard me say this, was the end of the first half at Pittsburgh. Carolina took a breath, got lackadaisical, and that allowed Pitt to get closer. Carolina still had the lead, but it closed the gap. Remember, I've said if Carolina had pushed that out to a 12, 15 point lead, I think Pitt's done at that point. Now, I'm not saying Carolina is going to put away Virginia in this moment, but down the stretch of the first half, it's the same thing. And this is what, to me, was what really hurt Carolina and put them in position. They were up 27 to 20, the Tar Heels were, with a, a minute 32 left in the second half. You're like, man, if you can just hold on here, even if they cut it to five, you're feeling great. But in that final 92 seconds, Virginia goes on a 7-2 run, makes a score 29-27. Again, Carolina has a lead at halftime, but all the momentum is in Virginia's favor. Um, Carolina even still had the ball up for 23 seconds left. Justin McCoy's inbounding and can't find anybody. And so turnover, Virginia bucket, and Carolina has it. On that ensuing possession, here comes um, R.J. Davis with the ball. And there's this offensive foul called on him that 
is just bad. To me, it's the second worst one called on the heels so far this year. You saw me uh, put up, uh, interestingly, going back to that Pittsburgh game, one called on Leaky. That's perhaps the worst one I've ever seen. But this one called on RJ Davis right at the end of the first half was atrocious. Not to mention it was his third foul and put him in uh, a really bad situation heading forward into the second half. You got to end this first half better if you're the Tar Heels. If they had... I, I don't know that they win the game, but they're in much better position, especially when you remember that in the second half, Carolina got down by 10 with nine minutes, a little over nine minutes ago. It was like 9.05. I think uh, they scored again at 9.04. And Carolina got it down to four. Leakey had a three to cut it to one at one point. Um, twice as Caleb caught fire down the stretch, he hit a three that cut the lead to three. But then, again, as Coach Davis said, they couldn't get a stop. But think about this. If you had done better at the end of the first half, handled those situations better. Now, I know some of that's you're playing different personnel because foul trouble, whatever. You got to execute. You got to execute, and there's no excuses there. And so uh, Carolina was never able to get that stop, get over the hump here down the stretch of the second half. But you got to admire they're hanging around. But again, Take care of business in the first half. And then the second half, this is moot. All right. Four corners point number four. I want to point out and applaud RJ Davis. I just mentioned um, that he had picked up what I thought was a, a very dubious call for his third foul right before halftime. But then he comes back. One, I think I had said this on Twitter or something like, watch RJ Davis in this second half. Is he going to be able to stay away from foul number four? Because if so, Carolina is in a heap of trouble because that's just as good as Mondo being out with an injury, right? Well, he played, RJ Davis did, the entire second half, all 20 minutes, as did Leaky. Let's point that out. Leaky Black did as well. He had picked up that third foul, but RJ avoided the fourth foul. A time or two, he had to play a little bit of Ole defense, but did a really nice job of just walling up and you know, it meant a, a player scored over him a time or two, but you can get points back. You can't get fouls back. In fact, he played a better second half than he did a first half. So did Caleb for that matter. In the first half, the two of them, uh, Love and Davis combined to shoot two of nine from the floor, one of seven from three. Although Caleb did have five assists in the first half. Well done there. But in the second half, these two dudes combined to shoot seven of 11 from the field and five of seven from three. And, and as a note, Caleb Love with 12 minutes to go, was 1 of 8 from the floor and 0 of 5 from 3. So it's one of those classic games that you just got to put up with in the Caleb Love sphere of him just going off. Um, one one kind of negative note, though, is that both Caleb Love and RJ Davis had four turnovers. Not, not total. Each of them had four turnovers, eight combined. And then we got to get to the shady stat of the game. We're sticking with our guy, RJ Davis. Why? You heard me say it a little bit, but that three-point shooting is coming right on back for RJ. A slow start to the season. First nine games, hear me, first nine games of the season, he shot 11 of 42 from deep, which is 26.2%. In the eight games since, he has shot 19 of 41 from three, which is 46.3% up. 20.1% in that span or, or a difference of 20.1%, I should say, not up 20.1%. And in the last five, it's been even hotter. 
15 of 30. He has shot exactly 50% from three the last five games on fire, RJ Davis. So now for the season, he's up to 36.1%. So like 9.9% up is, is where he's up from those first nine games, which is above his career average. His career average is 35.4. And now, like you thought about, like RJ shot really well from three last year and and you maybe feel like he's not this year. Well, guess what? RJ is only six-tenths of a percentage point behind where he finished last year. So I I know some of that can be deceiving, uh, but, but let's be perceptive to what's actually happening. RJ is on fire from three. Don't miss it. It's been big for the heels. All right, continuing forward, we've had our four corners recap. We've had our shady stat of the game. And then we want to wrap up by talking about some odds and ends from this game. We'll do that in just a second. All right, so odds and ends. Here's where I want to start first. It's with the Justin McCoy of it all. Uh, Folks, um, let's be logical about this. There's this uproar after the game. Um, Multiple people on Twitter, both anecdotally and statistically talking about how miserable it sounds like Justin McCoy played in this game. And let's, let's call a spade a spade. Justin McCoy was not great in this game. Justin McCoy was not good in this game. Like looking at the plus minus, he played 15 minutes and he was minus 13. At one point it was down at minus 16. And, and I hear that I get it. But there's a couple things. Plus minus doesn't tell the whole story. You know what? Justin McCoy finished at minus 13. You know who else finished at minus 13 in this game? This little guy you like to call Leaky Black had the same plus minus. So again, it it, it just doesn't show everything they're doing. Now, granted, Leaky's minus 13 was in 30 minutes of playing time, which is literally double Justin McCoy's minutes. So that's a thing. But just keep in mind when we're talking plus and minus, when you see stat people throwing that out, It doesn't tell the full story. It certainly helps tell the story. Hear me not mitigating it. I love plus minus. I use it and I think it's helpful, but I just want to put it in its proper context. But a couple other things, um, that minus 13, he ain't doing that on his own. There's four other guys on the court with him contributing to that. It's, it's not a personal individual plus minus number. It's just Carolina as a team was minus 13 with Justin McCoy on the floor. Here's another thing. A lot of people have been, uh, up in arms about McCoy playing over Dontre Styles, who perplexedly, I, I get it, I'm with that. Zero minutes in this game, like in a game where you're missing both Nance and Baycott, let like at least get him out there. Like something just is broken. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why it is that that Coach Davis and the rest of the staff don't trust him, but they do not, and he's not seeing the floor. Like whatever it is. He's not seeing the floor. And if not in a game like this one, I don't know when he's coming in. But in terms of Justin McCoy playing over Styles, Styles is not a front court player. Justin McCoy is. And on a night when you are already without Pete Nance coming into the game, Will Shaver coming into the game, who's not going to play much, but he might have in a game like this when push comes to shove. We've seen it earlier this season. And when uh, Armando Baycott goes out early, you're only two actual front court players in terms of like their skill set are Jalen Washington and Justin McCoy and a couple walk-ons. And so, yeah, Justin McCoy is going to get front court minutes over Dontre Styles, who's not a front court player, <laughs> right? Now, I know you might think, hey, let's go small ball four and, and we can get him in. 
Sure, maybe. But if we're going small ball four, I want Leaky at the floor. At the four, I want Puff Johnson at the four. Not Dontrez Styles. Dontrez is a is a three. Now there is an argument to be made, and, and had some of these conversations on Twitter um, on Wednesday, on Tuesday night, I should say it was um, that like maybe his athleticism, Dontrez Styles, can help make up for a, a little bit of a lack of height. Like he's two inches shorter than Justin McCoy, for example, and and maybe so, uh, maybe so, but. He's not a frontcourt player. And so you don't play him over Justin McCoy. That's why Justin McCoy's in and Dontre Styles is not. And for some other reasons that we don't know about going on clearly internally. And here's the other thing. With Jalen Washington being the only other frontcourt player, we've already talked about it. He's not ready yet to play 30 plus minutes. If he was, Justin McCoy's not going to be on the floor. Jalen Washington is going to play all of those minutes, you know, coach Davis is only going to play the people that absolutely have to play or the ones that, you know, whatever the situation calls for Carolina right now is 358th in the nation out of 363 teams in terms of percentage of bench minutes played. So if Jalen Washington could have played the entire rest of the game, you best believe that he would have Justin McCoy is in there out of positional necessity, out of lack of positional depth. And because Jalen Washington is just not back into full game shape yet to be able to go. You saw it when Jalen Washington was fresh. He was great. As he wore down, he missed a bunny or two, some defensive assignments. You saw some of those defensive breakdowns just wasn't fully ready. He'll get there. All right, a couple other odds and ends. We had several things on our what to watch for conversation yesterday. And so I want to look back on those and, and what uh, we took away from those, what the answers were to those things to watch for. Uh, the first thing I had asked about was, will Leaky Black be um, marking Kihei Clark again as he did in the ACC tournament last year? And the answer to this one was no. I think that is a product, not I think, that's a product of Carolina going with their small ball three guard lineup again to start the game. I've been calling it 3G. I want to start doing that all the time. Carolina going with their 3G lineup uh, to start the game out of um, without Pete Nance. And so um, out of necessity, Leakey can't guard the smallest player on the floor because then what do you do with Seth Tremble and RJ Davis and Caleb Love. One of them is going to have to be guarding Virginia's four, and that's just not going to work. And so that's a product of it. And so RJ Davis is the one on Kihei Clark. Um, the second thing, what to watch for, how does Mondo handle the double teams against Virginia? Well, he didn't because he didn't play. Uh, answered. <laughs> Next, three-point shooting. We, we talked about, hey, Carolina's been making some strides. We already talked about RJs. How did they do as a team? And then per, in particular, again, we were wanting to look at the combination of RJ and Caleb because that's where the majority of the production has to come from. As a team, Carolina was fine. Eight of 24, that's exactly 33.3%. You'll take it. RJ and Caleb combined, six of 14. That's just one off of, um, off of 50%. And so that's great. You'll take anything in the 40s. Absolutely. Like, that's great. All right. The fourth thing on our what to watch for is did Seth Trimble start? And the answer to that was yeah. But interestingly to me, he only played 16 minutes. I had figured it would be more. I mean, there were multiple players playing in the 30s. Uh, one, two, three, four, five. Five players played more time than him. Leaky Caleb RJ and then Jalen Washington and DeMarco Dunn. Now, obviously, some of that is a product of what happened in this game with Armando Baycott. Let's um, not miss that. And so some of it, you just, 
it's hard to draw any legitimate conclusions. You know what I mean from this? And so that's where it is. And then bench points was the other what to watch for we were looking at in this one. Carolina had 20 bench points. So in the past two games, they've had 22 and 20 bench points. Once again, some of that in this Virginia game is a function of Armando Baycott going down and um, having to literally bring in people off the bench. And so uh, you kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt as well. Well, folks, uh, tough one, tough one. You really wanted this game. Would love to see what it would have happened with a healthy Armando Baycott, but alas, it was not to be. So now you regroup, you reevaluate, you prepare for Louisville with Mondo and without, with Pete and without, and you just go from there and do what you do. Well, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, Jason Jordan joins me to talk about Ian Jackson, who was at the Notre Dame game this past weekend. Make sure you tune in for that. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade and the show at Locked on Tar Heels. Email us, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We want your nominations for Friday's Heel of the Week and Heel of the Week. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave your comments on your thoughts on this game. For your second listen, once again, check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. College basketball experts Isaac Shade, I didn't write it, I'm just saying it, and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in, even after a disappointing loss. It's good to be able to go through it together, have a little uh, grief therapy coming out of it. And regardless, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. You know it, and I know it. <laughs> Until tomorrow, peace. Peace.